Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Well, BC is expanding the virtual bail statewide, or sorry, the virtual bail system. And this is a partnership with the provincial court, taking a look at what successes we have seen with virtual bail hearings and how this program can be expanded. And joining us now to talk a bit more about this is Nikki Sharma, BC's Attorney General. Attorney General, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for being on again. It's always nice to be here. How long have we been doing uh, virtual bail hearings? Uh, well, it started actually uh, kind of during the pandemic up north. And what we're uh, we're proud to say is now it's province-wide. So the technology is available in all jurisdictions in the province to have the virtual bail hearings. And it's part of our continual improvement and efficiencies of the justice system. So we can make sure the criminal justice is working effectively for British Columbians. And so the, the reason then for expanding it, so what are some of the benefits of it? So you can imagine some, if somebody has been um, been arrested for something and they need to have a bail hearing to determine if they're going to be held or released, that that has to happen in a very timely way to be effective. And so before virtual bail hearings, what would happen um, sometimes often, especially up north, is they would interrupt criminal hearings that were happening to have these virtual bail hearings. So we set up a system where you can do that virtually so the the Correction services is connected with the courtroom and the judge and anybody that needs to be present, the counsel. So you can have them remotely and you can do them in a very timely way and not interrupt the court process. So you can have your complicated criminal trials going on and still have your virtual bail. So it not only helps to make sure people are not displaced. Another thing that was happening, especially up north, is that if somebody had to travel from Uh, where they were being held to the court and they weren't accused, if they were released, they were often just released in that community, which was not their home community, no way of getting back, which could could cause issues for the person. So this allows that not to happen. So there's so many efficiencies that we've found with virtual bail that we've invested in it to make sure it's available province-wide. And I really want to say that Chief Judge Gillespie of the Provincial Court has been a real strong advocate of it and, and helping to improve our system to make sure it works better for everybody. And can it be for any type of offense or any any kind of bail hearing? Uh, well, it's it's kind of in the hands of the court, but it can be for any bail hearing. It's set up to be available, all the technology and all the process available for that. So it, um, it helps, I think, to keep communities safer, to keep everything running effectively. And it's one of the many things we're doing to invest in, in our systems to make them better. And do you have confidence in the technology in that uh, we know that in many cases technology is our friend, but things can often go sideways and uh, turning it off and turning it back on again doesn't always work. Is the technology strong enough <laughs> and uh, yeah. in place for this? It's really actually very interesting. And sometimes, especially in more remote areas, when we didn't have the right technology, the courthouse was the one, especially during COVID, that had the broadband connection, had everything. So we made sure that there was no disruptions. And I think we all went through a process um, during COVID where we stepped up our ability to use technology. And I think the courtrooms definitely were a part of that. 
Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say that there aren't um, there aren't issues sometimes where people, but we have the right training, we have the right tech involved, where we can get them up and running, and they're running smoothly by and large um, with things to work out once in a while. Uh, the uh, One of the benefits that was listed about this as well was that it would reduce overnight remands in police cells. It would reduce travel as well for, for prisoners, uh, for lawyers, for sheriffs. Uh, is, is that something that, that could then also, would it deal with overcrowding or it would make it so there are those spaces and we don't maybe see those police cells packed with people that, that don't absolutely need to be there? Exactly. It's one of the key benefits. It's one of it's, it's a very smart intervention that helps many things around it. And you just listed one of them. It's whether when we don't need to transport somebody to another community to do their bail hearing. It saves on the cost for the system. It saves on um, it makes it more efficient. It helps make sure that the person gets their bail hearing quicker. They're not displaced from their community and supports if they need it. We don't need police transport or sheriff transport. There's a whole bunch of things that happen that make the system better once you've made that investment. Uh, there was one line in the, this release as well saying that the province is also continuing uh, to implement the Safer Communities Action Plan, uh, keeping those who commit repeat uh, violent offenses off the streets and to strengthen uh, and build safe, healthy communities. Are we seeing a difference there in that that is one of the, the main concerns we hear from people that we hear about the violent offenders who are out on the street, who, who are charged with offenses again? Are we seeing actual changes there? Yeah, I think there's two key things that since I've become attorney general have changed. One is we have our repeat violent offender hubs that are operating in 12, 12 hubs across the province. And we have bail reform at the federal level. So that was just announced recently. We finally have tighter laws on the criminal code when it comes to keeping repeat violent offenders behind bars. And I think I've spoken about this with the with the hubs. What's happening is the crown prosecutors, the probation officers and the police officers are dealing with the most prolific offenders in, in their system, in their region and helping to make sure that um, we're, the system is very effective of keeping them off the streets if they need to be and breaking the cycle for that individual. So sometimes it's stories that I've heard where the person needs medication and when they're in prison, they get it. When they're released, they're, they're not. So tying up those, those um, loose ends and making sure that that person is uh, less of a harm to community. But also, if they need to be incarcerated, then you have better information before the court to say, look, here's the long line of things that this person has done. They're not safe to be on the streets. And it helps judges make decisions with all of that information. So there's a lot of really good things happening with that key investment. Um, when it was in place, uh, in, there was a similar program in place that was cut, um, I think, 12 years ago. And we, they saw a reduction of 40% in repeat violent offending. So in the four or five months that we've had this program up and running again, it's been showing results. And I'm happy to come on and talk more about what those results are in the future. All right. And, and one other question when we talk about uh, the virtual bail hearings, I know this this wasn't a, a bail hearing per se, but we did just have a very high profile case in Vancouver in BC of uh, Randall Hopley, who uh, people will remember, uh, walked away from his halfway house, cut off his ankle monitoring bracelet and was missing for a few days. Uh, if somebody is charged with a serious crime like that or is facing a bail hearing, what's to keep them from, from walking away from not attending, especially if it's a virtual hearing? Yeah, so um, they are still monitored in the virtual hearing. What changes is, is that if they are 
being held in remand. So they've been arrested. Um, they need to show up at their hearing. There's a sheriff that can transport them or take them into a secure room where they have the hearing. And if they're if they the bail determination is that no, you don't get released, you're in custody. It's actually easier because you're not. There's no huge transport to another area. There's no, um, you know, there there. It's easier to monitor in the situation of virtual bail than than um, than with a lot of transport and and other things that might be involved in actually having to take somebody you know, sometimes far away for a court to a courtroom. So the virtual bail hearing then it's is it still taking place in a specific it's still at the courthouse or it's still under the supervision of sheriffs? Yeah, there's there's different rooms that are set up for them. So you can imagine in a correctional facility um, there the sheriffs also are a part of it, but they're just they're not necessarily they're not at the same place. So you don't have to put the time and effort to get everybody to the same place. You can keep them, um, you know, efficiently running where they are, the closest to the location that they're that that issue happened. So, but yeah, there still is the protections in place to keep that the person monitored. All right. That process. All right. Well, uh, like you said, uh, would love to talk to you more about uh, safer communities. So we'll do that at a later date. Uh, we're out of time this morning, but thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, always great to be on. Take care. Have a great day.